it's a rasta. Not much. Definitely not a rasta. As <laughs> <laughs> much weed as you smoke, I'm surprised. Well, yeah. But, you know, so. That just means I'm a, I smoke as much weed as the rastas. <laughs> But I just came up to a different conclusion than they did. Ah, yes. The good is a lie. No, no, I don't say it's a lie. It's just not something that I want to do, especially under these current circumstances. Now, I could probably be a good person if everything was like it was in the 70s, but not nowadays. The circumstances the way they are, uh, that's just, uh, I don't want to be, no, I don't want to be good. I don't want to be good if, if, if all that, you know, it's like, if I just don't want to, I'm not, I refuse to do the right thing if, uh, it means making life because it means making life uh, so fucked up. <laughs> but anyway, my battery's still I'm still charging my battery, so let me call you like uh, let me call you back a little later, like after the battery's charged. Alright, catch you then. Okay, talk to you then. Uh, peace. Peace. <laughs> Still got that damn cough. You can dig it. I do feel better though. I ain't got the chills no more. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but I never really had them like full on. Like, I would just feel like kind of like cold but not really that's usually what it feels like but it was like you know, it was real mild you know like right now. the only heavy shit was just the mucus and shit and the coughing yeah we know whose house mucus's house whose world or whose streets mucus's streets Whose world? Mucus's world. Indeed. Indeed, my friend. Let's see, what are we doing? Eh, just check it in about our day. Okay. 
Well, nothing much happened again today. Listen to music the first part of the day till the battery in my phone died and then uh, charged it. And uh, and I munched some food and Uh, and I've just been chilling. <coughs> so uneventful day. No, yeah, not not very eventful day. Piss. Yeah, you're leaving. You're leaving some piss. Yeah, I'm leaving some piss in the sewers. Yeah. Yeah, make it sound like blues when you blow your nose. Yeah. Well, it's already too late. Mucus is out of my nose. Yeah. Yeah, I could picture that. Snotty blue solo. I've done it. Been in the show. So that was harder. Like when I stayed Jerry's and he was like eat mostly vegan stuff. Then my my sinuses would clear out and I wouldn't be able to do as good of a nose blowing solo. <laughs> oh, because you ate vegan? Yeah, but basically, all I did today was ate food. I didn't even wake up until like... Yeah, I'm about to. Would well, you need one? Okay, something must be. My fucking miner keeps falling out of my pocket. Okay, someone must be trying to take a shower. I'm feeling the rain falling somewhere. 
I always tell when somebody's taking a shower because it starts raining on this table here. Uh, you good. You can talk if you don't mind people hearing you. Shit, because I just found out my aunt just died. Dude, this, this shit's crazy, man. Was this like today or a few days ago or? Uh, feels a few days ago or not, but she died from kidney issues. Yeah, right. You got a lighter? Well, now that she's dead, can I fuck her? Mm-hmm. Huh. Can I just go where, you know, before they bury the corpse and you man? I guess. Hey, hey. Hey, Bear. What? Bear. No, Bear. You awake, dear? Yeah. Can I use the lighter? Jamie was battling a lot of problems before she died. I'm sure there are a lot of necrophiliacs into that stuff. Oh, hell yeah. too bummed out about her because I was never close to her, but she always tried to be nice whenever I was around. Yeah, well, cool. It's just like before she died, like last year, like she was trying to be in contact with me and I was willing to be in contact with her, but then all of a sudden she just quit calling and her fucking phone number didn't work anymore. 
What is it too far away? No, it's Yeah, but other than that, I ain't been doing shit but watching TV. So, an uneventful day for me. Canceled church because I'm sick and shit. Didn't want to spread no germs because I know they're germaphobes. I would have just like wanted to go in and just sneeze on all of them, man. <laughs> sneeze and cough on everybody. And... <laughs> Fuck yeah! I hope you get the Delta variant. <laughs> of course, Cal Chaos being chaotic. Of course, that's what I always do. Nah, but seems like whatever sickness is passing through the house, though, everybody's fucking coughing. All right, on. The one house manager, she's like, you sure you don't want to? Well, not the house manager, but the caseworker. She's like, you sure you don't want to go to the doctor? Are you having trouble breathing? I'm like, I'm having 5% trouble breathing. <laughs> She's like, are you sure I can make a doctor's appointment right now? I'm like, nah. No, but that's it. They want to make as many doctor's appointments as they can. You know, like, that's part of the whole thing. It's like they want, they want to push, you know, government money going to anybody. <laughs> push you into the medical system, push you into anything that they got a program going for, for the, the, the is, uh, government money going to anybody. No, no, don't call a doctor, but damn it, you make me want to cough on you so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that case manager, she isn't much of a germaphobe. She hasn't gotten vaccinated. Okay. Well, then, we don't got to worry about it. While still making everybody nervous. (laughs) Oh, cool. Even more of a reason to sneeze on people. Yeah, I wasn't going to be a pussy in this group because I didn't feel that bad.
You know, that's the sound you want to hear in the kitchen that's making your, your, your burgers and your tacos. <laughs> Special ingredients. You shouldn't have mouthed off to me when you're ordering, bitch. <laughs> You want me deported? Well, this is going in your burger. Go get high. Yeah, that's the shit you gotta keep in the back of your head, man. Nobody wants you to get high. That depends on what he's getting high off. Fine. Uh, when he was getting high on, it would have been all bad. Yeah, okay. Man, it wasn't weed. Okay. You know, people that want you to die will go, yeah, you're, you're have some fentanyl. Then we'll never have to deal with your ass again. <laughs> Sorry about that. What? Said sorry about Kyle, he ain't all theirs. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know any of these people. I don't know who we're talking about. The dude we were talking to a few days ago was cool, so I wouldn't have a bad trip dealing with his ass. I just, I'm just being, you know, talking because I don't even know who we're talking about. Nothing personal against anybody. It's just part of the. Stuff in my fucking brain about uh, people in general. Yeah, but I haven't heard any news today. Well, I don't know. I don't know if too much has changed since yesterday, but we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, I did hear Kenosha was getting a little violent over the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Yeah, okay. So war did happen in Kenosha. Or a, a battle did happen in Kenosha. Yeah, they fucking started a riot. Cool. They fucking started a riot. Well, the first time I heard the word riot, or, you know, like really paid attention to it was. Back when Jim Foley was uh, 
probably became a Catholic later on or something, but, you know, like, became a priest later on, but in the, uh, fourth grade, he was always talking about starting riots in class and shit. I don't know if we ever successfully did that, but he was a trippy dude. Nah, they would have full-on food fights at my middle school. You know, this was like elementary school. And by the time I got older, we... Yeah, nobody had balls in... In elementary school. Yeah, people had balls in elementary school. Just, uh... They were always the ones that got fucked with, you know, that... I was secretly like, whoa, these people have guts, you know? <laughs> but I didn't have the guts. Sweet. New Battlefield game. Hmm? I said sweet. They got a new Battlefield game coming out. Oh, cool. Yeah, that game's pretty hard because, like, people can blow up the building you're hiding in. So you gotta remember that sound of that cough and aim at somebody's face next time. <laughs> but uh, welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. So where are we starting today? NPR. Okay, well, it's Sunday night, so we'll see if they have real stories or if it's a bunch of human interest stuff. We shall see. Huh, so that's the will of time. What? The dark one is rising. More than 20 injured and some killed after a driver speeds through a Wisconsin parade. 
right on. Yeah, that's something they should teach you when you're doing driver's training. How to run people over with your car. See that crowd of people? Come on, knock them down, knock them down. Oh, yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. They're pizza now. Yeah, their head cracked over. That's a high score. No demerits. Hell yeah. Now run, run them over backwards again. Make sure you get them that much flatter. You back up, back up. Oh, perfect, perfect. So how many people uh, who wound up getting knocked down? Like knocked down? Was it? Uh, Every single bus actually burst, but incredibly not the actual. Or should we go to the next story? Um twenty people were injured and some died according to police. Mm. Men or women or both. And all eleven adults and twelve pediatric patients were transported to six hospitals in the area. Mm. And how many pieces were there and when they got transported to the hospital? <laughs> it's, look, there's one of his legs and, and there's his other leg. Shit. Look, he's over there and, and part of him's over there too and part of him's even over there. Uh, but they won't tell us who died. Yeah, okay. Well, 12 kids. That's pretty good, man. You've got more kids than adults. That's that's great. You know, that's, yeah, 11, 12, 22, right on. Hey, hey. Yeah, whoever this dude was, he was fueled by Satan. And 11 and sure. 12, 21, yeah, 22. What? Said whoever this dude was was fueled by Satan for sure. Hey, hey. I see a bunch of kids. Oh, Praise yeah. Lucifer. I'm gonna run them over with my multiple ton vehicle. Hell yeah. Crush them little bastards. Send them to a more quiet place. Yes, non-existence is a very quiet place. So where'd this happen? Uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin, okay.
Uh, should we go to the next article, or where's your head at? Next article. Yeah. Two Fox News commentators resign over Tucker Carlson's series on the January 6th siege. Oh, siege. It was a siege. Okay, well, wh- why are they resigning over this? So, yeah, let's go into this article. Because I'm just, like, mainly wondering why they're resigning. Resigning in protest. Of what? What did he say on the on these shows that was so bad? what they call a pattern of incendiary and fabricated claims by the network's opinion hosts in support of former President Donald Trump. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Should we go to the next article? Yeah. Yeah, so there were probably some never Trumpers. Probably. Oh yeah, and then they approved AstraZeneca and Pfizer booster shots for all adults in America. Is that the next article? Uh, no, that was just something I heard earlier today. Well, of course, they're going to push this because they, they want to push these stupid uh, these stupid vaccine passports and trying to make everybody get boosters every fucking few, six months and shit. Fuck this shit. COVID in the U.S. update. Disney's vaccine mandate boosters and startling death toll. No, no, no. I bet, I bet nothing's changed in the past two days. And I bet this is pretty much propaganda. Especially because it's <laughs> and they do a lot of propaganda when it comes to this shit. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Two of 17 kidnapped missionaries are freed in Haiti. Sucks. Now there's two people that have pots with no missionaries in them. You know the the new head of of, of Haiti was you know that was the promise to have two to have uh, or what no that's one pot that doesn't have any or maybe they had to like take one one missionary out of a couple of pots. You know, since he was, you know, when he was running for, when, when he became president, he promised there'd be two missionaries in every pot, you know, because he became the new president. I don't get the joke, but moving on. Okay, we, you gotta watch old George of the Jungle cartoons. That was a big, the joke was there's an, like a, an African 
dude running for president. It's like, if I get elected, there'll be two missionaries in every pot. Uh. Oh, I remember seeing George of the Jungle, the TV show. Yeah, that was it. That's where it came from. I haven't seen that in so long. No, me neither. I haven't seen it since then. Probably before 86. Some point in the early, early 80s. Shit. Damn, I thought George of the Jungle was newer than that. No, it was way old, man. It was way, like, 60s, I think. I just remember seeing, like, the TV show in the movies when I was a kid. The TV show was like an old cartoon from the 60s. And the movie was the movie. Came out later with the Weird Al doing the, the song for the soundtrack. Okay, so where are we at now? Yeah, they had a George of the Jungle like TV series in 2007. Oh, okay. Well, I never saw that. that was, you know. Luckily, I wasn't. I just knew the old cartoons, man. That's all that. Uh, yeah, and then that's there was good. one from 1967 to 1970. Yep, yeah, that was the one. Anyway, where are we at now? Uh, people are talking about Web3. Is it the internet of the future or just a buzzword? Uh, who cares? What's the next article? Sounds like we're getting to the human interest shit already. Yeah, we already covered the homeowners getting unsolicited offers yesterday. Yeah, we covered that. As Georgia grows more Democratic, its members of Congress will not. Okay. uh, I guess let's get into that article, I guess. Let me go grab my other phone so we can listen to it. Okay.
Yeah, curfews at nine thirty. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up this story on NPR. Alright, ready? Yeah. Support for NPR comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. All year long, as the Biden administration has tried to move forward in its agenda, the Democrats' razor-thin control of the House and Senate has been part of the story. And both parties know it. So now we want to spend some time talking about one of the key factors that could influence control of the House next year. And that is, you guessed it, how the states draw their maps this year. States are supposed to draw their maps based on population changes recorded in the latest U.S. Census. But critics say some important battleground states are engaging in a more partisan process known as gerrymandering. So we're going to take a look at Georgia, where the legislature is set to give final approval tomorrow to a map that drastically overhauls congressional districts in Atlanta's northern suburbs and likely gives the GOP another seat. Joining us now to talk about all this is Georgia Public Broadcasting Stephen Fowler. Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. So Georgia is a state that voted for Joe Biden for president and two Democratic U.S. senators in the last election. But it's controlled at the state level by Republicans. So how is that playing out in the map making this year? Well, Georgia currently has 14 U.S. House seats, eight held by Republicans, six by Democrats. Two of those changed hands in the last few years, and those are the boundaries that shift the most under this new map. The 6th District in Atlanta's northern suburbs now runs more than 80 miles north of the city and includes some very, very conservative areas. Now, the 7th Congressional District packs in more Democrats into a majority non-white county next door. That means two Democratic incumbents, 
Representative Lucy McBath and Representative Carolyn Bordeaux will likely have to run against each other to try and stay in Congress. Now, this is happening after the fact that I think people who live in the area will know this. Over the last decade, Georgia has grown by more than a million people. So who are some of these people, and is that growth reflected in the new redistricting maps? Well, Michelle, Georgia's now projected to be a majority non-white state pretty soon. More than 10% of the state identifies as Hispanic. The Asian American population has exploded, and hundreds of thousands of black residents have flocked to Metro Atlanta in the last 10 years. This congressional map, though, does not add any new majority-minority districts. So how do they justify that? I mean, how do the people drawing these maps justify that, or do they even have to justify it? Well, you know, Georgia and other states used to have to get their maps pre-cleared by the federal government because they had a history of these discriminatory voting laws, and that's no longer the case because of the Shelby versus Holder ruling. So Republicans say they are following the letter and spirit of the law, Democrats, voting rights groups, and others say that that's not necessarily the case. They're not fair and that they aren't adding more representation for diverse voters in the state. There's been criticism of states around the country that these are just partisan proposals to preserve large, uncompetitive advantages for whatever party is in power. In most states, that's the Republicans. In a few states, that's Democrats. But it's just one seat in Georgia. But just I have to ask you directly, Stephen, is that the case here? Is this gerrymandering? Well, these redistricting advocates and Democrats would certainly say so. The congresswoman most affected, Representative Lucy McBath, is a black woman who won re-election by about 10 points. The voters in her new district would have voted for former President Trump by more than 15 points. So when you take all of this into account, the competitive battleground status of Georgia, demographic shifts, the lack of another new district around Metro Atlanta, this one seat for Republicans is a big deal. Now, at the state level, Georgia also has the potential to flip to Democratic control at the statewide level, and it has an important U.S. Senate election next year, too. So every little thing matters. And these maps may favor Republicans now, but they might not last through the entire decade until the next census just because of how fast the demographics and politics are changing. That is Georgia Public Broadcasting Stephen Fowler. Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so that kind of sucks that the Republicans are, are gerrymandering uh, the district so they can get more of their people in. That's kind of uh, what I expect Republicans to do a lot of times. So I know it's pretty lame, though. I know, should, we go, uh, should we go to the next article? Yeah. I'd say that's par for the course. I think any party would do that. Yeah, a lot of times they do. I don't know, but the Republicans doing it this time in in, uh, Georgia. So Georgia's on our minds right now. At least because we just did this story. Eighty people stormed a California Nordstrom store and stole merchandise. <laughs> okay. Woohoo. <laughs> I don't know, like uh 
have that big of a group of thieves, that's pretty uh, good, you know. That's a good uh, army of steel workers. Right. So, okay, I don't know. You want to go more into this or go to the next one? Go to the next one. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, let's go to the next one. In a video called Chinese Tennis Star Peng Shui told Olympics officials she's safe. Okay. Don't really care. Tiger Woods shows off his golf swing in the new video following February car crash. Okay. Don't really care. Let's, let's go to the next article. Meet the mullet queen of Lansing, Michigan. Mm, does that sound human interest you probably? So let's go to the next one, I guess. Apparently, people like mullets in Lansing, Michigan, but yeah, let's keep moving. Okay. Atlanta's airport had an active shooter scare as millions prepare for holiday travel. We already covered that. Protests have broken out across Europe in response to tightened COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, let's go into this. If the people that try to make these protests look bad, give it some coverage. That might be good. <laughs> well, they'll try to under, you know, estimate everything, but hey, at least they're covering it. <laughs> A resurgence of COVID-19 restrictions in a number of countries has resulted in protests, with some demonstrations turning violent and leading to dozens of arrests. Okay, we heard about Netherlands, so where else are people fighting a war over this finally? So anyway, what, what else does the article say? Trying to skip the stuff about the Netherlands. We knew Rotterdam, unless some other parts of the Netherlands got violent. Were there other towns in Holland that got violent besides Rotterdam? Mm. They're just mainly covering Rotterdam. Okay. Oh, in Austria, citizens have been protesting the government's recent decision to impose a nationwide lockdown beginning on Monday. 
as well as plans to make vaccinations compulsory in February. Thousands joined a demonstration in Vienna on Saturday with around 35,000 people gathering in the city's Hero Square. Days earlier, hundreds of protesters had gathered outside the Austrian embassy in France, according to Reuters. Meanwhile, on the island of Guadalupe, a French territory, rioters have set fires in the streets, shot at police. Damn, son. Destroyed destroyed property and looted places of business. Prompting, Prompting French officials to deploy around 50 members of their special forces to help restore order on the island, according to an Al Jazeera report. Uh, Boo French uh, special forces. In Belgium, police estimated that around 35,000 people gathered for a protest on Sunday near a train station in Brussels. Events turned hectic, however, with protesters throwing objects at officers and police resorting to using water cans and tear gas on the crowd. Politico reports. So they they had a battle in Belgium. Yep. Okay. Italy Italy and Croatia have also been the site of demonstrations regarding COVID restrictions and in Melbourne, Australia. Heated protests against vaccine mandates are entering their second day. Right on. So good. At least people are protesting and in a few places they're fighting battles. In a few places there's some civil war. Mainly like Holland and Belgium, which are pretty close to each other. I think. In uh, Guadalupe, wherever that is. What else does the article say? It just goes on to spew bullshit from the World Health Organization. Yeah, no, that's that's the problem with NPR is they'll start doing that shit after, after this. It's everybody should be willing to give up their freedom without fighting for it. Yeah, that's pretty much the the spiel. Yeah, well, fuck you. We're not going to give up our freedom freedom out of a sense of obligation to uh, anybody. All right, ready to go to the next article. Let's go to the next article.
Illinois Senator Dick Durbin expects the Senate to pass spending bill by the end of 2021. Okay. Uh, uh, should we go into, I think we should go into this article. They, uh... I don't know, it's some no-name politician. Yeah, so... He's still a politician. He's still talking about the bill and what's going on with the bill. So I'm trying to find out. Now they're thinking it's not gonna, it's not going to pass till the end of next until the end of this year, like December sometime. Well, it's a five minute listen. Okay, yeah, let's listen to this. All year long, as the Biden administration has tried to move forward in its agenda, the Democrats' razor-thin control of the House and Senate has been part of the story. And both parties parties know it. So now we want to spend some time talking about one of the key factors that could influence control of the House next year. And that is, you guessed it, how the states draw their maps this year. Why is this playing? States are supposed to draw their maps based on population changes recorded in the latest U.S. Census, but critics say some important battleground states are engaging in a more partisan process known as gerrymandering. Half a trillion dollars for green energy, hundreds of billions more for free preschool, housing, hearing aids for Medicare patients, and other programs that now heads to the Senate where it can be expected to be pared down. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin, the senior senator from Illinois, comes back to our program. Welcome back to Weekend Edition, Senator Durbin. Hi, Scott. How you doing? Fine, thank you, sir. Uh, the bill can pass the Senate only if all 50 uh, members of the Democratic caucus support it. Two Democrats, notably Joe Manchin, West Virginia, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, don't support it so far. What do you have to do to get those last two votes without losing any of the others you already have? Well, I'm hopeful uh, because we spent weeks uh, literally negotiating with both of them. They have made their mark on this bill, uh, the one that passed the House and what is likely to pass the Senate. And what I've said to my friend Joe Manchin over and over is, Joe, you've made your mark on this bill. I'm probably more than any single senator now. Close the deal. Show us that there's enough good in this bill that you can stand up and support it. I hope you will. And Kirsten as well. One of the most uh, potentially expensive parts of the bill isn't a social program. It's called the SALT deduction, and that um, raises the amount of state and local taxes people can deduct on their federal taxes. Now, let me explain. It's a proposal that is uh, perhaps especially popular in high-tax states like New York, California, perhaps our own beloved Illinois, and states that also have a habit of uh, voting Democratic. Is it fair to taxpayers in lower-tax states like, say, West Virginia and Arizona? Well, what we start with is the basic principle. Should I, as a taxpayer in America, pay a tax on a tax? And that is what's happening here. Uh, we gave the state and local deduction because taxpayers were all... Kyle. 
breathing? I just heard heavy breathing. I thought you fell asleep. No, 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 no. People are arguing. All right. Spares were already paying those taxes. And we said we won't include that in your income. Uh, you shouldn't pay tax on a tax. And that's the premise. Now, we can, uh, you know, realistically and honestly uh, discuss whether or not there should be exemptions at high income levels. But I think the fundamental uh, is, is correct. If a state or locality steps up and the people say, we're going to accept responsibility on our own, locally, at home, to do things, uh, I think the federal government should recognize that effort by taxpaying Americans. The, uh, the House version also has an immigration provision that would let uh, more than half of undocumented immigrants in the United States apply for work permits. The Senate parliamentarian has previously said essentially that that, that type of legislation just doesn't uh, belong in a spending bill. Are you going to keep it? Is it up for negotiation? Well, I can tell you this. I support it. I wish we had uh, taken an earlier approach, which uh, suggested a pathway to citizenship. Most Americans agree with that. As long as these uh, undocumented, and there are 11 million at least in our country, undocumented people are working and paying their fair share of taxes, um, most believe that over a period of time they should be given special treatment. They ought to still be given an opportunity. We couldn't win that uh, with the Senate parliamentarian, and now comes this approach. What it basically says is three things. You, if you apply and if you're approved, no criminal background or anything of that nature, uh, you can get a five-year uh, permission to work legally in the United States. You will not be deported and if you're in that status, and you can travel outside the United States and return. Uh, without penalty, uh, then you have to renew it in five years. And the same questions asked, same fees filed. I think that's a reasonable approach. Now the question is, does the Senate parliamentarian agree? We'll find out uh, when we return next week, or well, the uh, week after. I mean, uh, why not just propose it as separate legislation and, and let senators uh, be able to vote on it without having to worry about, uh, about uh, halting a massive spending bill? May I remind you of the dreaded word, the filibuster. I introduced the DREAM Act 20 years ago, pathway to citizenship for kids brought here when they were infants and toddlers and little kids. I've tried, tried, and tried five different times, and filibuster has stopped me in the Senate. When you try to do this uh, <clears throat> separately, you run into the Senate rules. In the uh, 30 seconds we have left, uh, Senator Durbin, let me ask you, um, the timeline for the Build Back Better bill, uh, getting through the Senate and then, uh, of course, back to the House. Uh, what do you figure, this time next week? Well, next week we'll uh, be off for Thanksgiving. Senator, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. I'm Kyle Chaos. <sighs> And, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> and Sudan's military has agreed to reinstate the nation's ousted prime minister. Wait, who's military? Sudan. Okay. Um, yeah, let's go into that. 
uploading it or Sudan's military and civilian leaders reached a deal to reinstate Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdok, who was deposed in a coup last month. According to the deal signed Sunday, the military will also release government officials and politicians arrested since the October 25th coup. The country's top general, Abdel Fattah Bernhan, said in a televised statement, well, said in televised statements that Hamdok will lead an independent technocratic cabinet until elections can be held. It remains unclear how much power the government would hold. It would still remain under military oversight. Mm -hmm. The coup, more than two years after a popular uprising, forced the removal of longtime autocrat Omal al-Bashir and his Islamist government has drawn international criticism. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Sudanese have been taking to the streets in masses since the military takeover, which upended the country's fragile transition to democracy. The agreement comes just days after doctors said at least 15 people were killed by live fire Mm -hmm. during anti-coup demonstrations. Okay. They don't get why they don't bring back the original leader that they kicked out during the coup. I don't know. Maybe because he lost. Yeah, no. So that means, like, really... It's like, okay, it isn't the military running, but it's the specific prime minister, this old prime minister that was... I don't know. Like, that that doesn't sound like it's the same dude that they were just talking about that got kicked out after this coup in October. No, like, you're thinking of this Al-Bashir dude that got kicked out two years ago. Oh, it was two years ago, okay. Sudanese, uh, fragile transition to democracy... The agreement comes just days after doctors said at least 15 people were killed by live fire during anti-coup demonstrations. Hamdok has been held under house arrest by military leaders for weeks. Okay. Earlier, military and government officials who spoke of the deal said it also foresaw the release of government officials and politicians arrested since the October 25th coup. The largest of the political parties said to be included in the deal. 
the UMA party had issued a statement implying that it did not sign off on the deal. Okay. The officials who spoke on condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to release the information said that the UN and US and others had played crucial roles in crafting the agreement. The United States, its allies, and the United Nations have condemned the use of excessive force against anti-coup protesters. Okay. Meanwhile, thousands took to the streets in the capital of Khartoum on Sunday to denounce the coup and demand the immediate transfer of power to civilians. Protesters waved the Sudanese flag and chanted powers to the people. The military are to stay in the barracks. And that's the end of the article. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. I hope things get better for the people in Sudan. I'm not sure if it is or not. Should schools require the COVID vaccine? Many experts say it's too soon. Which mirror? Yeah, where's it? What's this? Where's this about? Or what's this? No, many experts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good. Let's hope they don't. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. Welcoming family into your home for Thanksgiving. Here's how to keep COVID out. Oh, God. Okay, no, I'm not even... That's going to be propaganda. (laughs) This Thanksgiving, let science help you roast a tastier turkey. I don't care about that one either. A texting mix-up sparked a Thanksgiving dinner tradition that continues this year. Okay, it sounds like human interest. What else? uh, Let's go to the next one. Morning television is ripe for drama, but the morning show feels behind the times. Um, don't know what they're talking about, but... Uh, no. 
don't know if I care either, so I don't know. You want to go to the next article, or where's your head at? Moving on. Amazon reinvents the wheel of time for the small screen with surprising turns. Huh. What does that mean? Uh, it's that TV show. What TV show? Uh, it's a TV show about magic and shit. Okay, so the the, sh- the show is called The Wheel of Time, and it's about magic. Yeah. Okay, now. Never mind. <laughs> what else are they covering? <laughs> CDC backs expansion of COVID boosters for all adults. I bet they do. Because it makes those pharmaceutical companies more money. So anyway, let's go to the next article. Because NPR is going to cover it all propaganda Giving up gas-powered cars was a fringe idea. It's now on its way to reality. Okay, let's go. Let's go into this. It's a four-minute listen. Okay, yeah, let's listen to this. Half a trillion dollars for green energy, hundreds of billions more for free preschool housing, hearing aids for Medicare patients, and other programs that now heads to the Senate, where it can be expected to be pared down. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin, the senior senator from Illinois, you already heard this one. comes back to our program. Yeah, Welcome back to Weekend Edition. For some reason, it keeps playing like old When environmentalists called for the end of gas-powered cars, they used to get laughed at. Life without tailpipes was seen as, well, a pipe dream. But now, the prospect of phasing out gas cars is being taken very seriously. NPR's Camila Dominoski takes a look at just how quickly the idea has gone (laughs) mainstream. The advocacy group Cultura wants America to stop using gasoline. And just a few years ago, its main tools in that fight were things like breakup themed music videos. We had a good run, but now we're done. And performance art. We did what's called the ghost of gasoline. Actors that were dressed up in their white bodysuits with, with hoses and nozzles. Matthew Metz is the co-executive director of Cultura, and he says art like this got people talking. But when Cultura tried to propose actual laws to end the sale of gas cars, people laughed. They're not laughing anymore. Cultura helps write legislation now. Tesla is the world's most valuable automaker. Ford is making an electric F-150. And General Motors plans to go entirely electric. And around the world... Iceland, United Kingdom, Sweden, Norway... Sandra Vapalost is with the International Council on Clean Transportation. They've been tracking which governments have set dates for ending the sale of new gas cars. And yes, she's still going. Canada and two provinces, British Columbia and Quebec... 
The big climate talks that just ended last week included a call to phase out gas-powered cars worldwide by 2040. The European Union might mandate that change by 2035. In the U.S., the federal government wants to reduce the number of gas vehicles but hasn't embraced a total phase-out. Some states have, though. California, Massachusetts, and New York all plan to end gas car sales within 15 years. And those state orders and laws haven't even been that controversial. Trina Saha lives in Queens, and she doesn't know anyone who got up in arms about New York's new law. Yeah, I think more people in New York were mad about uh, soda limitations than they'd be about, like, gas-powered vehicles. <laughs> Today, Saha fills her Toyota Corolla with gas, but she says a car's features are more important than how it's powered. I mean, if it gets you from... A to B. And figures she'll probably get an electric vehicle eventually. No big deal. But the key word there might be eventually. A gas car phase out by 2030 or 2035 might still feel far away to most people, which could explain the lack of backlash. And it could also be a problem. Jasmine Sanders is with the group Our Climate. She says if states actually want to hit these targets, changes to industry and infrastructure need to happen immediately. We have to go ahead and start doing this now. We cannot wait until 2034 and then telling people, no, you can't buy that gas vehicle. And those changes are hard. Gas and diesel vehicles make up 97% of new car sales. Electric vehicles are a tiny, expensive slice of the market. If they explode in popularity, we'll need a ton more chargers and transmission lines, not to mention changes to factories and consumer behavior. In short, America has not broken up with gasoline yet, and it's got a long way to go. But the idea that the age of gas cars is ending, it's not a fringe proposal anymore. It's under serious consideration in the halls of power. In fact, that anti-gasoline music video a few years back, it featured a cameo from a woman with a blonde bob enthusiastically lip-syncing along about the urgent need to give up gasoline. That was Jennifer Granholm, better known today as the Secretary of Energy. Gasoline, gasoline, Cool. Uh, let's hope uh, that's able to happen. That they can phase out uh, gasoline-powered cars. But you're right; they got you. Got to build all the infrastructure before you can do that. So it's gonna. I hope they can do it in the next uh, 35 years or next 15 years. I should say next 15 years. We shall see. Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's go to the next article. Adoptees express their fear, anger, and insight on race during social unrest. Who is giving their, their, their outrage? What's the group again? Like, what was that first word in the article? Adoptees. Adoptees. Okay, what would adoptees have to do? Like, I don't know, let's go into the article and see what they're talking about. It's a five-minute listen. Okay, yeah, let's listen to this. Nobody. 
November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and even though there are millions of adoptees across the country, many say they often feel left out of nationwide conversations about race. Over the last couple of years, those conversations have reached new heights and depths with the deaths of George Floyd and other black Americans, anti-Asian violence, and migrant crises at the southern border. Transracial and transnational adoptees we spoke with shared how it's particularly hard for them to express their full range of emotion about these issues. Here are some of their stories. My name is Sunny Reed. I'm 37 years old. I live in Cherry Hill, Tennessee. I was adopted from Korea into a white family. When it comes to these racial movements, I feel like... Asian adoptees fall in this weird liminal space where we're not Asian enough and we're not white. It doesn't allow you to participate fully or feel comfortable participating fully in these like racial type justice movements. And I think about how that complicates my own personal ability to identify as a person of color. My name is Hannah Jackson Matthews. I'm 29 years old. I live in Lancaster City, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a biracial black woman who was adopted by a white family. Over the last year, I've been thinking about the other transracial adoptees who were probably experiencing what I experienced um, with the death of Michael Brown. I like this. What does this mean for me? and for my family as a transracial family and kind of this culture shock experience of seeing someone who looks an awful lot like you being harmed in systems that typically being raised in white families and in predominantly white spaces were taught to trust. Um, my name is Annie Stefanko. I am 17 years old, currently living in Rosemount, Minnesota. I was adopted from Guatemala City in Guatemala, and I'm currently a part of a white family. When George Floyd was murdered, I felt pretty kind of like confused and also alone because I had no one to talk to really, and I did struggle understanding how it affected me as a person of color because growing up I didn't have a chance to connect with other Latinos so it, it was pretty difficult. I also felt pretty upset about the border crisis. I've seen a lot of articles where you know people from my country are migrating to the U.S. and, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, is my birth mother at all traveling to the border? Is she still in Guatemala? Like, is she safe? Sometimes I find, like, my parents just don't understand, like, race or my ethnicity and in the past I have like talked to them about a little but they kind of don't believe what I'm saying if that makes sense. I had one situation 
where I was in a parking lot driving a night with my mom and a police pulled up and I felt really scared in that moment. And I felt like something bad was gonna happen to me. And I told my mom and she's like, you know, stop worrying. She just didn't believe how I felt in that moment. So since then I've been pretty not open about race or anything with them. This is Sunny Reed. I think there's a lot of confusion about who we are, if we're adoptees or not, until we actually disclose our positions. I feel like there's like a hesitancy too, because it's like once we admit that we're adopted, it's almost like, well, we don't know the actual Asian experience. This is Hannah. I think adoptees fit into this conversation in the way that we're able to offer a very unique racial experience. We've been studying whiteness our entire lives, especially, yeah, especially ones that have been raised in a white context, because we live in such close proximity to it, and there's not maybe the barriers that would have been provided had we had parents of color or parents that were of our racial communities of origin. There's kind of this insider look to, yeah, to whiteness and to the white psyche, and I think that's really what we need to be focusing on when we see these larger um, issues of unrest is how can white people be kind of looking introspectively into what this means for them, not only um, persons of color doing that. And so I'm, I'm hoping that because of transracial adoptees' unique experience of race and uh, their access to white spaces, that they would be able to maybe usher that conversation. Yeah. Okay, so I guess adoptees are feeling uncomfortable about, uh, especially if you're adopted by a white family and you're a different race, being able to talk about uh, the stuff that's been happening and, and why it bothers them. And uh, damn, that's got to be uh, pretty intense. Anyway, uh, should we go to the next article? Yeah. Okay, so they we got more info on that NPR story. Five dead, 40 injured after SUV speeds into holiday parade. Hey, hey. Well, there's going to be some dead people at this parade. <laughs> I'm just a part of the parade, just killing some of the spectators. Vroom, vroom, they're all doomed. Because it's true. Oh, but that's funny. 
And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says Dems don't fully grasp what's happening. Okay, yeah, I, I can relate to that. So yeah, let, let's uh, let's go into this one. Uh, AOC. <coughs> On why Democrats' talking points are not enough. Okay. What else does the article say? Last year, after Joe Biden won the Democratic presidential nomination, a group of progressive lawmakers rallied around him to protect project party unity at a critical time. More than a year later, as the president seeks to pass a robust spending package of social policies that represented the bulk of his domestic agenda, many of the same leaders are looking for a return on their political investment. What else does the article say? In an interview with the New York Times, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, one of the country's most prominent progressives questioned whether Democratic leaders in the White House understood the scope of the demands coming from the party's base. Okay, what else is the article? The interview has been lightly edited and condensed for clarity. Why do you feel this social policy bill has to pass as soon as possible at the biggest scale possible? A, I think the stakes are really, really high. The entire reason that the Progressive Caucus gave their votes for the infrastructure bill was based on direct promises from the president, as well as direct promises from more conservative Democratic holdouts. And from House leadership as well. So if those promises don't follow through, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to give votes on anything moving forward. Because the trust that was already so delicate will have been broken. Okay, what else does the article say? Do you think these extended negotiations and the stuff that was cut will have an electoral effect? Obviously, the Senate will have its say, but if the spending bill largely looks like what the House passed, will Democrats say it fulfills the promise of Election Day? 
else does the article say? I think that if we pass the Build Back Better Act as the House passed it, that we have a shot to go back to our communities and say we delivered. But that's not to say that this process has not been demoralizing for a lot of folks. Because there were enormous promises made, not just at the beginning and not just during the election, but that continued to be made. And this is where I have sounded the alarm, because what really dampens turnout is when Democrats make promises that they don't keep. With bipartisan infrastructure plan, there's all of these headlines going around. And I understand the political importance of making a victory lap, but I think that the worst and most vulnerable position we could be in is to over promise and under deliver so let's not go around and say we're going to replace every lead pipe in this country because according to the bipartisan infrastructure plan that is not going to happen that has not been funded and if the build back better act gets cut even further then that's definitely not going to happen You and other progressives backed Biden during the general election. Do you feel that this White House has continued to open, be open to the left? And that created trust because trust requires vulnerability from all parties. There was some good faith with the American Rescue Plan, Democrats $1.9 trillion economic stimulus package signed in March, but after that, which was quite early, it's been a bit of a slog. I actually don't direct this critique directly at the White House. I think in general, the party doesn't quite fully grasp what is happening in deep blue communities. That's the end of the article. Okay, well, I think that was a good uh, interview by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, yeah, if this if this uh, more progressive uh, uh, part of the bill doesn't pass soon, uh, I think it's going to prove what I already thought, that Biden really wasn't out to change much of anything. And... Uh, If uh, they, if uh, people like Alexander Ocasio Cortez got promised that certain things would be done and they don't keep their promises, then why should the progressive wing of the Democrats trust the uh, rest of the Democrats? Really, but uh, I don't know. Let's go to the next article. Marine mandate compliance is military's worst. Okay, so cool. More Marines are saying we're not going to do this crap than any other part of the military, I guess. So, uh, 
you know, let's go into that as much as they might still try to put bullshit in this article like uh, some of the other ones. But yeah, let, let's see what the, let's go into this. Up to 10,000 active duty Marines will not be fully vaccinated against the coronavirus when their deadline arrives in coming days. A trajectory expected to yield the U.S. military's worst immunization rate. While 94% of Marine Corps personnel have met the vaccination requirement or are on path to do so. According to the latest official data, for the remainder it is too late to begin a regimen and completed by the service's November 28th deadline. Within an institution built upon the belief that orders are to be obeyed. What a bunch of dicks. And one that brands itself the nation's premier crisis response force. It is a vexing outcome. Uh, so, they hate their word, their propaganda wording. Ooh, so vexing. Vexes me. What else does the article say? The holdouts will join approximately 9,600 Air Force personnel who have outright refused the vaccine, did not report their status, or sought an exemption on medical or religious grounds, causing a dilemma for commanders tasked with maintaining combat-ready forces and marking the latest showdown over President Joe Biden's authority to impose vaccination as a condition of continued government service. Marines know they're an expeditionary force and pride themselves on discipline and being first to fight, said David LaPan, a retired Marine Corps officer and former communications chief for the service. Leadership, he said, should be alarmed that the Marine Corps' ethos of always being ready for the next mission appears to be tarnished in this case. Why, LePan asked, did they decide not to follow a direct order? Answering that will be essential, he added, if this is somehow indicative of a problem that could rise again in the future. Marine Corps made no secret it has struggled with vaccine hesitancy in the ranks. Late last month, officials issued an ultimatum, get vaccinated, apply for an exemption, or get kicked out. Then as the cutoff to be in compliance drew near the Marines' top general com- commandant, David H. Berger, and his senior enlisted advisor, Sergeant Maj, Sergeant Major Troy E. Black, 
distributed a video message to the force imploring those who had not been vaccinated to get it done. They appealed to Marines' sense of fidelity and calmly explained that the Marine Corps would be less capable unless everyone met the requirement. So they gave them their propaganda. Yeah. Marines have believed propaganda all their lives. Why aren't they believing this propaganda? Yeah, we need you to take that red, white, and blue dick up your ass. Why are you being so hesitant about that? Why do you think we painted the dick that, that many colors? It's the most patriotic dick you've seen. It was meant to be shoved up your asshole. <laughs> it's not gay if it's patriotic. Yeah, if it's patriotic, it's it's uh, you know, you're 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 just uh supposed to squeal like a pig for America. When something bad happens around the world and the president says, I need to know how long it's going to take (laughs) to get Marines there, it's too late then to get vaccinated, Berger said in the video. It's challenging for us to be able to continue the mission, Black added, if we're not ready to go. Berger spoke last. We need every single Marine in the unit to be vaccinated. We don't have extra Marines. We're a pretty small force, and we have to make sure that everybody on the team is ready to go all the time. That's our job. The Marine Corps is the U.S. military's least populous branch of service. Numbering about 183,000, it's roughly one-third the size of the active duty army, but fills a significant role within the Defense Department's portfolio. Whenever there's a higher stakes (coughs) emergency overseas, such as the hasty evacuation from Afghanistan this past summer, Marines are often among the first U.S. personnel to set foot in harm's way. And that's the end of the article. Okay, so cool. Marines, uh, fight these lame orders. Fight them uh, trying to turn you into uh, one of their guinea pigs. Or fight them trying to depopulate you. Fight the power. For a change. Fight the powers that be. Firearms on the streets of Kenosha and beyond. Then is this like a gun control article or a article about the protests.
Well, in places that still forbid such behavior, pro prohibitions on possessing guns in public could soon change if the U.S. Supreme Court strikes down a New York law. Oh, okay. Well, what's going on? What's this case? That means more people could legally have guns, I'm imagining. But, but yeah, what, what's this case about? Or what, what does the article say? You there? Yeah. The two proceedings sent startling new signals about the boundaries of self-defense as more guns emerged from homes amid political and racial tensions and the advance of laws that ease permitting requirements and expand allowable use of force. Across much of the nation, it has become increasingly acceptable well, acceptable for Americans to walk the streets with firearms, either carried openly or legally concealed. In places that still forbid such behavior, prohibitions on possessing guns in public could soon change if the U.S. Supreme Court strikes down a New York law. Okay. <coughs> The new status quo for firearms outside the home was on prominent display last week in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Local resident Eric Jordan carried a rifle and holstered handgun near the courthouse where Rittenhouse was tried for killing two men and wounding a third with an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle during a protest last year. I got a job to do, protect these people, that's it, said Jordan, referring to speakers at a news conference that was held in the hours after the verdict. Speakers included an uncle of Jacob Blake, the black man who was paralyzed in a shooting by a white police officer that touched off tumultuous protests across the city in the summer of 2020. This is my town, my people, Jordan said. We don't agree on a lot of things, but we fight, we argue, we agree to disagree and go home safe alive. That's real self-defense. Okay. The comments were a counterpunch to political figures on the right who welcomed the Rittenhouse verdict and condemned his prosecution. Mark McCloskey, who pleaded guilty in June to misdemeanor charges stemming from when he and his wife waved a rifle and handgun at Black Lives Matter... <clears throat> Protesters outside their St. Louis home in 2020 said the verdict shows that people have a right to defend themselves from a mob. He currently is a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Missouri. The verdict arrived as many states are expanding self-defense laws 
and loosening the rules for carrying guns in public. Both gun sales and gun violence have been on the rise. At the same time, six states this year removed requirements to get a permit to carry guns in public. The largest number in any single year, according to the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, in all 30 states have enacted stand-your-ground laws were to remove a requirement to retreat from confrontations before using deadly force. Okay. Wisconsin has a tougher standard for claiming self-defense. And Rittenhouse was able to show the jury that he reasonably believed his life was in danger and that the amount of force he used was appropriate. Ryan Boos, a former firearms industry executive who now supports moderate gun control as an author and consultant, said the case reinforced the normalization of military-style weapons on city and suburban streets. And that's the end of the article. Okay. Let's uh, the next article. Yeah. <clears throat> now I'm just coughing not much phlegm is coming up which I guess is a good thing I don't know I don't know if that's a good thing I think it's better if phlegm comes out because at least then whatever's making you cough is coming out but then it's not good if it's like if you're coughing too much I mean I've like had colds where Stuff kept coming out, but I kept coughing, so, you know, it's like there's a medium. You don't want to cough too much and still have stuff come up coughing, but you want to, I don't know, not cough so much, but when you finally, when you cough every now and then have stuff come up, so I don't know. Protesters in Kenosha trace Rittenhouse's route. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to go into that one? Wait, what was the article again? Protesters in Kenosha trace Rittenhouse's route. Okay, yeah, let's go into this. I guess they're retracing his steps like people retrace Jesus' steps. Maybe. I don't think it has the same significance. But... Let's pretend that you're being crucified just like he was. And in fact, let me ask you to carry your cross and let's just stick the old nails in your hand, motherfuckers. <laughs> Hey, it's biblical. It's biblical. You said you wanted to do the stage clock. Now let's see how serious you are at it. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're gonna give you stigmata, literally. And we might just leave you there to die, just like him. Then we'll show you mercy by stabbing you in the side. Just like him. See, now you're just like the one you worship. Yeah, but several dozen people gathered below the wind-whipped Wisconsin flag at Kenosha Civic Center Park on Sunday and warmed up with chants for justice before taking to the streets in protests of the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. Demonstrators traced the route Rittenhouse took the night in August last year when he shot and killed two people and wounded a third during protests over police brutality. But it's a much colder route in damn uh, October or November. Yep. Protesters regularly chanted, No justice, no peace. Anthony and JoJo. The latter referring to Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum. Both of whom were shot and killed by Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. One of them killed justifiably, but we'll keep it moving. What's your opinion? The Reverend Jesse Jackson, 80, who walked the first leg of a protest march in Chicago on Saturday was scheduled to appear in Kenosha, but did not come. That's because he couldn't get an erection. No, okay, we'll go that. Because <laughs> no, yeah, he probably didn't, he probably didn't care that much. No, I think he probably did care, but... And not I thought enough he'd be to adding... show up. What? <laughs> not enough to show up. <laughs> Okay. We've said too many bad things about him, and probably, you know, like too many people bag on him. So it's like I probably was not the one to make the comment, but it's just like too easy of a thing. They just said he couldn't, he didn't come. So I had to say something about uh, about he probably couldn't get an erection. (laughs) No, I guess that part, but but you know, probably the wrong person to say that about. You know me, I can't, when, when I get a reference like that, I can't not say it no matter who it's about. You gotta shoot your shot, huh? No, I'm just, everybody's gonna hate me by the end of this show, you know? <laughs> I'm just waiting to get my, I'm just waiting to get the Molotov cocktail thrown in my window. You said something about Jesse Jackson! <laughs> Couldn't make my nose sound like the blues. Sorry, Kyle Cass. No, you're pretty close. You're pretty close.
now that I've already like I've already like been uh, sacrilegious against Jesse Jackson, should, should I start saying I am nobody? <laughs> okay, but I shouldn't have said some. I remember those days when those chants actually meant something. Yeah, does it mean something now? Not as much. Why not? Eh, just cause, you know, the way black people act. Not acting any different than anybody else. It's just, you know, black people shoot each other in the street like dogs. Yeah, but that's been going on for years, so, you know. They didn't have gangs. Everybody shoots everybody in the street like dogs, shit. They didn't have the Bloods and the Crips back then. No, they've had that at least since damn 1970. Or 72, because Crips didn't start till 72, I believe, so. But at least since some point in 73. Gangster culture definitely wasn't glorified in the media then. Yeah, no, but that's like at least media's becoming more for real. Cause, I mean, like in the earlier days when people were doing drive-by shootings and you weren't hearing songs about it, you know, you like had to like guess what song you'd do a drive-by shooting on. Like before NWA, you like had to guess what song that someone would probably be doing a drive-by shooting to, you know, and it was something that didn't say quite as much as NWA when NWA started. In 89. <laughs> or even like 87, like 87 was when I first heard Ice, which really I heard Ice-T before I heard N.W.A. And uh, like Ice-T was the first gangster rap dude I really heard. And, and that was mind-blowing to all of us, you know. Yeah, like I heard Cop Killer before. Yeah, no, no. But the, but like, the, the first thing I heard was... Uh, oh, I'm trying to... It, it's the song that started at... Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh, sweet Adidas across the bathroom floor. And you know, went on from that. Now what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, and it's like... Like, to me, that was like a... A heavy, like, first time I'd ever heard something like that kind of song, and it was it was heavy, you know. Man, that went down the wrong pipe. I just can't vape worth shit right now.
that's probably making your throat worse. Well, I haven't really been vaping. I've just been smoking cigarettes. That's, I mean, all that's going to make your throat worse while you're trying to feel better. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth my throat soul. Yeah. Yeah, but that was the end of that article. Okay. So, uh... What was that article again? That was, uh... Oh, Kenosha. Okay, yeah. I remember. Okay, the protests. So cool, at least they're protesting. Yeah, they're protesting, all right. With their guns out, rocking out with their cocks out. Metal cocks. Just throw your guns in the air and pump up like you just don't care. <laughs> or just throw your guns in the air and pump up because you just don't care. All you Republicans better beware. What? I said all you Republicans better beware. I got a trigger finger. Size of a head. We're gonna pop and we're gonna bust a cap in your MAGA hat. It's going to be even more red. <laughs> We're making them red states red. Wait, what was the last article about Kenosha or were we doing something else? Firearms on the streets of Kenosha and beyond. Yeah, Kenosha. Okay, yeah. So, aim together. Okay. Alright, you want to do the outro? Because I got to get to bed. Okay, well, wait, cool. Tune in next time when we talk more about how we're being screwed with and how we're trying to stop ourselves from being screwed with. Are we still even recording? Yes. Okay. Way cool, then. Alright, get out of here, you hippies. I am Palin. Alright, peace. Peace. And we will catch you, beautiful sons of guns, tomorrow.